Go to the book of Philippians, chapter number 2. Are you there? All right, verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen to that. Father, take the few words that we will speak here this morning, and I am believing, God, that it will be life and light to every person that hears. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Matthew, our Jesus is represented as a king. In the book of Mark, Jesus is represented as a servant. In the book of Luke, he's the son of man, and in the book of John, he's the son of God. I personally feel that when Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago, the one that personified him best was what Mark and that book is all about, where Jesus is a servant. Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. Jesus is the seventh word from the beginning of the New Testament. Jesus is the seventh word from the last of the New Testament. 700 times the name Jesus is mentioned. We pray in Jesus' name. We're baptized in his name. Every knee shall bow at his name. In Matthew chapter 1, he is Emmanuel, God with us. We see him in that chapter as Savior, Christ, and Lord. In Mark chapter 1, he is the beloved Son. In Luke chapter 1, thou shalt call his name Jesus. And in verse 32 of that same chapter, he shall be called great, and he shall be called Son of the Highest. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist declared that Jesus was and is the Lamb of God. In Genesis, he is the promised one. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the scapegoat. In Numbers, he's the brazen serpent. In Deuteronomy, he's the great lawgiver. In Joshua, he is prophet, priest, and king. In Judges, he is judge of all the earth. In Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, he is the anointer of kings. And in Kings, he is the king of kings. In Chronicles, he's the great historian. In Ezra, he is the rebuilder of the temple. And in Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the wall. In Esther, he is the savior. In Job, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Psalms, he's the song of the ages. In Proverbs, he is the truth. Ecclesiastes, he's the great preacher. 
Song of Solomon, he's the lover of my soul. In Isaiah, he's the wonderful counselor, mighty God. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, his mercy is renewed every morning. In Ezekiel, he's the wheel in the middle of a wheel. In Daniel, he's the stone cut without hands. In Hosea, he is the forgiver. And in the minor prophets, he is the one coming to Bethlehem. In Matthew, he is king of kings. In Mark, he is the servant. In Luke, he is the son of man. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he is the name to call upon for salvation. In Romans, he is the dynamite of the gospel. In Corinthians, he is the restorer. In Galatians, he is the rent veil. In Ephesians, he's the heavenly one. In Philippians, he is our supply. In Colossians, he is the hope of glory. Thessalonians, he is our returning Savior. In Timothy, he's our great appearing God. In Titus, he is our blessed hope. In Philemon, he's the forgiver of those that go astray. In Hebrews, he's the best of all. In James, he's the Lord of glory. In Peter, he's the foundation of our salvation. In the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he is our assurance. In Jude, he keeps us from falling. In Revelation, he was dead. And behold, he's alive forevermore. He's in every book. He's in every book. He's in every book. And again, I think what best typifies Jesus 2,000 years ago was he was a servant. How's best to see if a person is a servant? It's easy. This is the acid test. It's easy to determine if you're a servant or not. When someone treats you like a servant, how do you react? That's easy to figure out if you're really a servant or not. Oh, I would never. No, I'd never do that. I'd never pick up a piece of paper on the floor. That's beneath me. Years ago, before I was as suave as I am now, <laughs> I was making a hospital visit over, over at St. Louis, and on my way back, I, I had a jacket that needed a button on it, and... I thought, well, you know, famous bar, I'd heard they sold a lot of clothes there. So I just took my jacket and marched right into famous bar. And I found a woman that was working back there in the men's department. And I said, I've got a jacket here and, and, uh, and it needs a button on it. And I'm telling you, she, she was dressed to the nines. I mean, it was just, she just looked perfect, prim and proper. And she looks at me. And says, and just kind of huffed. He's like, sir, we don't do buttons here at Famous. Maybe you should go to Walmart. <laughs> and I said, maybe I will go to Walmart. And I marched out of there, and I was just, I was... By the time I got to my truck, I was furious. That woman treated me like I was a hick. (laughs) 
I ought to go back in there and give her a piece of my mind. And immediately this was the thought. Immediately this thought hit me. Mark, don't ever get too famous, but you can't do the little things. Now, I knew that was from the Holy Spirit because that wasn't the train of thought that I had right then. My train of thought is she thinks I'm a hick and I'm going to go straighten her out. Don't get too famous. You stepped out of famous bar. Don't get too famous. And I went to Walmart, and there was a woman there. She told me, well, no, but here, here's the needle, and here's the thread, and here's the buttons, and, and here's the thing you can get. And, and, you know, would you like me to do that? I might have time to do that. And, I, well, I could do that, and I could help you with that. And I thought, I went from, you know, being huffed at, and, you know, just, <laughs> to where now there's a woman, she was willing to just go out of her way to help me. She was a servant. She was a servant. Christians, we are to serve. I read this in a Max Lucado book years ago, and he tells about a guide at an art museum to where this young guy, he was for there for the summer, and he, his job was to lead the people to the painting, tell who the painter was, and then step out of the way. And Lakato said, church, that's exactly, exactly spot on what our job is to be. We're to lead people who the Savior is, explain the Savior to them, and then step out of the way so they can see him better. Amen. Amen. And one of the prime ways that we're going to be able to do that is not with the attitude of, oh, I'm just so above you. If you only knew what I knew, maybe you ought to go to Walmart. That condescending attitude and look down your nose at someone never helps anyone, period. It doesn't do it. My job as a pastor of this church is to try to get everybody on board with what we're wanting to do, to cast Vision is what you read in all of the leadership books, but here's the deal with vision. And I found this out to be so, so very true. Vision are easy to criticize. A few years back when I really felt it was in my heart for us to go towards Centralia and have a branch over there, it was easy to criticize that. You know why? From Champaign all the way south, to southern Illinois, there was not one church that was doing a branch church, not one. Visions are easy to criticize. Well, preacher, the fact is, there is no other church doing that. That's a fact, and that would be a fact. But the truth was, God spoke to my heart, that's something that Orchardville Church should be doing. That was the fact. That was the truth of it. Here's a fact. A fact is, when the Israelites went into the promised land, they came back saying, there are giants in them their hills. That was a fact. The truth was, God told them to go in there and rout those giants out. 
See, people that gripe and always complain about, about someone that would have a vision, and yes, they will always have the facts on their side. But the truth is, hey, the fact is man can't fly. The truth is probably everybody in this building has been in a plane and flown. Now, either that flew over your head or you just ain't paying any attention. <laughs> just because you got the facts down on the, on the paper doesn't mean that's the end all to be all. The truth is we can do what God puts in our hearts. Visions are easy to criticize. Visions are difficult to defend. And visions sometimes die because of criticism. You know, can you, can you imagine the, uh, the, uh, the guy that uh, was telling his neighbor the next day, did you hear about Simon Peter and his brother Andrew? They left, their, they left the dad. They, le they left dad. They left dad and all of his workers. They had a business ready made for them, and they left. Well, where'd they go? Following some guy around. Craziest thing I ever heard. They had a business that they were just going to be given over to them. It was theirs. And they went from having a business given to them to where now they have nothing. You know who that guy was that was criticizing that day? You know who his name was? Nobody does. <laughs> but you can guarantee he was some, some Joe Blow that knew more than everybody else. And yet everybody knows who Simon Peter and Andrew was. That guy probably had all of the facts on his side, but the truth was Jesus had called them men. I believe that God activates the vision by service. There it is. Say it with me. God activates the vision by service. Say it again. God activates the vision by service. One more time. God activates the vision by service. One more time. God activates the vision by service. No, I've got to go and get a lot of knowledge. And if I get all this knowledge and get all of this, and then I'll be ready to serve. No, the candle, the moment you light it, gives forth the light. The moment a person is born again, God is telling you it is now optimum time for you to be able to reach out to someone else. The title of the message today is, Do You Have the Correct Form? Question mark. My brother and I, since he has gotten out of prison, we've been to a lot of federal buildings and so on and so forth. Boy, you think that thing about you. Yeah, okay, I don't want to get on my soapbox. All right. All right. And one of the things that he has been asked a number of times is this. Do you have the correct form? And that had been got, got me to thinking. Do you have the correct form? How many golf? We got golfers here today. We got some golfers. Takes correct form. 
How many knows what the word golf means? G-O-L-F. Eric, you know what that means? Huh? You, are, you, are you man enough to say what it means? Huh? Huh? Here I am. It started in Scotland with a bunch of men, and golf literally means, G-O-L-F, gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. I didn't make it up. That's what it means. I didn't make that up. But you got to have the proper or the correct form to be able to golf. How many's ever seen Charles Barkley golf? I know nothing about golfing, but that is the most ugly, hideous golf swing I've ever seen in my life. He doesn't have the correct form. When you're shooting a basketball, you got to have the proper or the correct form. You don't shoot like this. You don't shoot like this unless you're going to miss. You got to have I learned from Kent Sanders, and he told me, you, you got the prettiest shot I've ever, I've ever seen. <laughs> and Benny Greenwald, my high school coach, says, I've coached hundreds and hundreds of guys, and nobody likes to shoot more than you. <laughs> but you need to play defense, he said. <laughs> and I said, well, you don't get in the paper by playing defense. You got to score points. <laughs> Bowling. To be able to bowl and to do it good, you got to, I mean, I could go into all the detail on this, but basically, you got to have the proper and the correct form. You're not going like this. You got to have the correct form. Every sport that we could name, it takes a correct form to be able to do at least average in that sport, you've got to have the correct form. Tennis racket, when you're, when you're swinging a tennis racket. I mean, you've got the, uh, what is that grip when you do the backhand? I, I, no, not that. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Texas grip or the whatever it's called. But you, it takes the proper form. You've got to have the right form. And I think as Jesus 2,000 years ago was on this earth and he showed us how to do it, he came not to be served but to be a servant to all. I think as a church today, the proper form is not to be served but for the church to serve. Now, I mentioned this a few weeks back. Poochie lippers make poor Christians. They do. You know, if you're Robert Conrad, you remember the commercial? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Knock it off. You know, if you're waiting for people just to do that for you so you can be sad and so you can, everybody's picking on me. <laughs> Poochie lippers make poor, poor Christians. Poochie lippers make poor leaders. Listen, giving sympathy is never wrong. Seeking sympathy is always wrong. Think that through this week. There are people that you got to handle with kid gloves. They've always been hurt. And I'm telling you, they wear their feelings right up here on their shoulder or on their sleeve. We see this in the Old Testament. King Saul was childish. King Ahab was childish. Both of them ended up bad. 
There are those that jump in front of a bullet just so they can say, I've been hurt. No, 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 no. That's not the way to live your life. Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest. At Orchardville Church, we need laborers in the harvest. At Orchardville Church, we need willing workers. At Orchardville Church, we need you to volunteer. Now, preacher, I want to show up and I just want to hang out for a while and then enjoy the service and then go. We need you to volunteer. Preacher, sometime this year, I'm going to volunteer. That rhymes, and I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Let's say that together for those of you that are willing to say it with a clear conscience. Preacher, that ain't the sermon I've come to hear today. <laughs> what did I say we was going to say? <laughs> huh? What was it? What was it? Somebody knows it. Tell me. What was it? All right, sometime this year, I'm going to volunteer. You ready? Sometime this year, I'm going to volunteer. One more time. Sometime this year, I'm going to volunteer. One more time. Sometime this year, I'm going to volunteer. One more time. Sometime this year, I'm going to volunteer. Thank you very much. Preacher, I'm too busy to volunteer. We got lawyers that go to this church. We got doctors that go to this church. We got school superintendents that go to this church. We got plant managers that go to this church. We got bankers that go to this church. We got bank presidents that go to this church. We've got business owners that go to this church. On and 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 on. So don't tell me. Oh, I'm just too busy and I just can't make it. Jesus always called busy people. They always have a way to getting things done. People have got all the time in the world and oh, they just can't work it in. I need a favor. Dan Gill, do me a favor. I be, okay. <laughs> I bet there's a towel back in that baptistry somewhere. I could use that. Kay and myself, late Wednesday night, was sitting in the Lambert's airport waiting for Josh to get back home. He's finally home after seven years being in South Korea. Thank you, sir. And uh, uh, Scott uh, from McLeansboro that runs the coal company down there. What? Huh? Scott Spears. Um, sitting there. Mind my own business. It's late at night, 10.30, 11.30, whatever it was. And, and I look up, and here he is. He's walking towards me at the airport. And he goes, I know you're not here to get me. <laughs> I said, well, where have you been? He said, oh, I've been to Washington, D.C., and talking to whoever will listen, probably about, you know, the benefits of coal. And, but... Uh, I just had to throw that in because I thought that was so neat. You know, here we are over there, and you see somebody that's going to Orchardville Church. All right. Only, only greatness can serve. Jesus, the greatest of them all, washed the disciples' feet. 
Only greatness can serve. Who, Sharon Reese asked me a week ago, two weeks ago maybe, preacher, I've never been in a, in a foot washing service. How come we don't have a foot washing service? And I told her, I said, I've been in two of them. She goes, well, I never have, and I just really think that'd be neat. And she's talking to me, and I'm just, I've just got all these thoughts in my head about toe jam and, <laughs> and you know, a, a basin of water that big and 300 people putting 600 feet. <laughs> I don't know what that water would look like afterwards. And corns and bunions and <laughs> that pretty little toe <laughs> that's... And then I had the thought, am I doing the same thing that the disciples was doing 2,000 years ago? When Thomas said, I don't want to wash Simon Peter's feet. He's gross. <laughs> so one by one, they all passed by because at that time, that's what was supposed to happen. There was to be someone there at the door as you as an invited guest into someone else's house, and they would have someone there and wash your feet. Wash the dirt from your feet. And nobody was there. And one by one, they all come in and they take a seat. What does Jesus do? He sees the towel, he sees the basin, and he picks it up and he walks to where they're at. And one by one, he began washing their feet. Only greatness can serve. You know, there's all say, oh, no, I'd never wash. I'd never wash Judas' feet. I'd never wash. And Jesus, one by one, washed all of their feet. And Simon Peter said, oh, Lord, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I can't wash your feet, you ain't got no part with me. And, G and, and Simon Peter said, Lord, just wash me all over then. I want to be part of you. That... That cross shows submission to the Father's will. This towel shows forth service to the Father's will. And only greatness can serve. When I worked at Dowser, we had a new plant foreman that showed up, and they had a, a catered meal brought in. And the first thing I seen that guy do, he put on them plastic gloves. He started serving people chicken. And I knew right then, I like this guy. I like this guy. Only greatness can serve. Do you have, do you have the correct form? Do you have the correct form? Let's all stand.
Father, in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus, we bow before you, and he certainly is the one that showed us the way. God, in this age of me, 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 help us as Christian people to swim against that current. Help us as Orchardville Church to swim against that current. Help us, Lord, to be a church that's willing to serve. Help us, Lord, to be a church willing to get dirt underneath our fingernails. Help us as a church, dear God, be that good Samaritan that helps that one that may never, may never be able to pay us back, may never come to this church, may never thank us, but God, help us to be willing to serve. Lord, put that, plant that, build that in the heart of every, every person here at Orchardville Church to know, dear God, that is where your heart is really at, is to be a servant. Only greatness can serve. Help us to have that proper and correct form. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, these altars are open. There may be a time that you want to spend making a vow to God or a pledge to God. That'd be certainly up to you. But don't let, this, don't let these words just fall and just be lost in the ether somewhere. But you, let, let it mean something in you. I, a woman at McLeansboro told me one time, I've heard you preach three or four times and all you ever preach about is being a servant. And I told her, what else is there? That's the heart of what we're trying to do. Let's be a servant. Let's be a servant.
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.